Good morning. Can you hear me? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Perfect. Okay. Yes. He stole my whole introduction. So now I have nothing to say. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, I have been interning here with J-Road over the course of the summer, and it's been a huge blessing to get to know people and to get to know J-Road staff. Um, a little bit more about me um, is I actually am a mother, and I'm married to my husband, Austin. They are right here. <laughs> um, here's a couple pictures just to give you an embodiment of how adorable my daughter is, and I think my husband's pretty cute too. So, um, yeah, so... I am a Bible college student at North Point, and I am actually graduating this coming summer, well, May. So give me a round of applause for that, because it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, okay? So, yeah, it, this is great. This is a really great opportunity to just talk to you guys and get to know you guys, and I would love to talk more even after the service um, and get to know more people as well. So um, we've been talking about prayer. So... I've been able to study in that um, alongside Pastor Jim and just kind of catching the vision of what is it about prayer that brings us closer to the Lord, okay? So we are going to be landing in Exodus 34 today. Um, but first, I kind of want to go over, like, kind of where it brought me, I guess, when I was studying it. Um, ladies, are, they have the opportunity to be pregnant, Right? Okay, we get to have babies, it's fantastic. But there are remarks that pregnant ladies get that we don't necessarily love, like things like, hey girl, you look huge, or you're ready to pop, or are you carrying twins, or anything like that. And so you're kind of like, yeah, I feel everything that you're saying. But there's one particular remark that you get that actually sets in a bit different, and it's genuine. When somebody tells you that, you're glowing. So when you're pregnant and someone says, wow, you're glowing, that sits different. So let's read Exodus 34, and we will begin. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets, so keep in mind, I kind of want to give a little bit of foreknowledge about this first. Um, at this point in Exodus, Moses has returned from Mount Sinai, bringing down the stone tablets that had written the written law of God, okay? So it's just kind of like he wanted to make a covenant with people, his people, the Israelites. As Moses returned, he found the Israelites, he was returning with the tablets, he found the Israelites worshiping golden calves. So this is similar to like coming home to your teenager, throwing a huge party, and you're ready to give them the keys, to the car. And so that may be of how God felt where he was like, I was ready to give you this trust. I was ready to give you this covenant. And you threw a party. So Moses comes down with that same tension that he feels from the Lord and he feels frustrated. And so what he does is he smashes these tablets. He smashes the tablets that he had just made with the Lord. He went from then and he interceded on behalf of his people on behalf of the Israelites, in prayer, God, please, 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 just spare my people. He did, of course, and he had Moses come back up the mountain to talk with him again, to commune with him, to understand what this new covenant was going to be. So let's read. This is where we're going to land today. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, 
Moses did not know that the skin of his face was shining because he had been talking with God. Aaron, Moses' brother, and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to, him, called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And then Moses had finished speaking with them. He put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel that he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, and the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with him. So my first point that I want to, I really want you guys to get this from this passage. And this really, it just really deeply spoke to me. I want to, do you guys know what the word glory means? Shout out what you think glory means. Anybody? Any idea of what glory may mean? Majesty, that's pretty close. Holy, that's a really good one. Give credit to. Those are great. So I want you to think of glory in terms of character, the character of who God is, the fullness of God's character. So my first point, Moses' experience shows us that beholding the glory of God makes us like him. So when we're beholding the glory, thinking of God's character, thinking of God in the fullness of who he is, the fullness of his kindness, his patience, his peace, and everything that he is, beholding that makes us like him. So in third grade, I had this particular friend. Her name was Erin. And she, was, she kind of gave her parents a run for their money. She was, like, super disrespectful. She would, like, scream at them. She would hit them. And this was, like, my best friend in third grade. So my mom was obviously not very fond. She would be like, okay, that's a great choice, Em. But I just liked her. I think it was because she was probably just a little bit crazy. So I would hang out with her. I would go to her parents' house. And that attitude that she had started to affect me. And so my mom would actually start to call me by her name instead of my own name. So if she'd be like, Emily, can you please go clean your room? And I would just be like, no, I don't want to. Or I'd just like, no, I don't feel like it. Or I'd roll my eyes or scoff or just ignore it. And she'd be like, Aaron, go clean your room and then come back out until, no, come back out until you're Emily. And so I'd be like, okay, shoot. (laughs) I would go in my room and be like, okay, so she knows that I'm not acting myself. So the thing I want you to catch here is, who knows that proverb, you are the company that you keep? This is true, and this is true of Moses in that situation as well. He was the company that he was keeping, and his company was the Lord. It was God. So immediately I'm thinking, gosh, I just want to keep the company of Jesus. Because if I'm trying to be like Jesus, then I want him to always be be around me and to be with me and to always seek his face and to always look at who he is and to behold his glory or his character. My second point from this, Moses' face was radiant 
from communing with God in our faces can too be radiant from communing with the Holy Spirit. So it's super, super common for people to ask God, God, where is my mountaintop moment? How lucky it was for Moses to have just gone and looked at the face of God on the mountain. How come we can't do that today? I don't understand that. God, why can't we do that now? But listen to this, okay? 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8 says, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, through it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? I think that's beautiful. The Spirit given to us by Jesus is inside of us today. And a great mentor of mine kind of put the closeness of the Holy Spirit, he gave that to me in a a beautiful picture, and I kind of want to share that with you guys today. He would open his shirt and he would say, good morning, Holy Spirit. That was my mentor, Mr. Harris, which if you have the opportunity to meet him ever, you would be blessed by who he is. He's just a wonderful man. But when he would open his shirt, it gave me a picture of understanding that the Holy Spirit is as close as our next breath. He really is. He is the unctions that we get to be kind to somebody. He's the laughter that we get when we're in the midst of grief. He is the conviction to change. And when you're sitting in that and when you're looking at the face of God, he is beckoning us to change. He is beckoning our kindness. When we see and we ask for the fullness of God's character, he beckons that from us. And it's not even, it's not even a guilty thing. We don't even feel it as a guilty thing. It's, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm looking at who God is and I just can't help but want to be like you. I can't help but want to be near you more, Lord. This is why Moses' face was shining. His communion with the Lord, he just, he couldn't, he couldn't get it off his face even if he tried. And that's my third point. Moses didn't ask for a radiant face. It happened to him. And so a lot of times we find ourselves saying, God, use me, use me, use me, use me. Or glorify yourself in me, Lord. Glorify yourself in me. But often what we're really asking is to see his glory and to remember what that is. And that's the character. That's his character. That's his kindness, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his faithfulness. Think of all the fruits of the Spirit. When we ask to see the fullness of God's glory, are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? Because when we ask that, it's going to be heavy. It's going to make us want to forgive people. It's going to make us want to change. It's going to free us from addictions. It's going to change our marriages. It's going to change our relationships with our children. It's going to change us. If we could just look upon the face of Jesus and gaze upon the glory and stare at him, then we have now become hosts of his glory. And I think of the word host, and you think of almost like a flea or a tick, even. And like a dog doesn't really ask for a flea or a tick to come on it. But if we are asking 
for God to come out, how much more will he, even if we are asking, you know? If we are experiencing his glory on our knees and in prayer, and, and when I say the face of Jesus, to seek the face of Jesus, I mean prayer and I mean scripture. I mean private devotional time with the Lord. I can't stress how important that is. I know that we say that a lot in church where we're like, just make sure you read your Bible and make sure you pray and you'll be good. And it sounds, you know, kind of sort of religious, but when you're really seeking the glory of God, it's a heart-to-heart with the Lord. It's no fronts up. We don't have to pretend to be somebody. We don't have to do the religious rambling. We don't have to do any of that. We can actually just be who we are, and to look at him is to change. When we are experiencing his glory on our knees and in prayer and in scripture, we are almost accidentally used as ministers of his gospel and glory. And I say accidentally because if we're true beholders of God's glory, we have no other reason to come to him other than to just be with him. We don't even have to ask. I don't even think we have to ask, God, how do I be good? God, how do I, how do I get peace? How do I become kind? I think... I think when we are with God, looking at him, we become like him. It's not, Lord, give me joy. Give me joy. Please, Lord, just give me joy. Please give me peace. It's, Lord, you are joy. Lord, you are peace. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are kind. And looking at the fullness of that, it will change you. It really does change you. The beauty of Moses on the mountain was his, he was unconscious of his radiant face because for a moment he was able to look away from himself and to instead just gaze and commune with the Lord, to really just listen to him, to really just look at him for who he is, the heaviness of that glory. So you kind of might be asking, So why did she start with the pregnancy opening? That's kind of random. Are you saying that Moses has a pregnancy glow? Yes. (laughs) I am saying that Moses has a pregnancy glow. And my answer would be, maybe he was pregnant with the glory of God. The glory on his face came from that intimate time with the Lord. And it sounds funny, but I think it's true. And I think of a pretty dark, darker time in my life. Um, coming out of high school, I feel like everyone coming out of high school is kind of navigating through a lot of stuff. <laughs> You're like, I've lost a lot of friends because I'm moving into a new season. I'm trying to figure out where my career is. I'm also like thinking of love interests. I'm also doing a lot of, a lot of stuff. And so that time in my life, I actually was able to intern in another church, and I was really, really pressed into the glory of God and who God was and understanding how that should affect me, and I was really met with how much it did affect me, and I think I I approached God like, 
all right, well, God, if you're real, then kind of just show me yourself and, and change things and do things. And, and what I would do is I would light a candle in my room, and I would open the scripture, and I would just begin to pray. And I would cry a lot sometimes, and sometimes I would be angry. And it was in those times when I was able to see the fullness of who God was. Because I didn't put up a front. I didn't, I didn't pretend to be anything I wasn't with the Lord. And so he didn't pretend to be anything that he wasn't with me either. And in that, I really, really was deeply affected by his glory and his character. I felt the need to change. I felt the need to make this a regular habit in my life. I felt the need to forgive people the things that I, it's like I wanted to start fasting. It's like there's certain things that just come up and you're just like, I didn't even know what fasting was, but the Lord brought it to my mind. <laughs> and, and that's true. That's what God does. And it's like I don't really know. I don't really know about the religious stuff and how it works sometimes, but I know that God sometimes brings it up and then all of a sudden you understand it because you just love him and he loves you. So I, I want to have an invitation um, today, and this is what I want to leave you with. Let's, let's keep near to Jesus. Near enough to feel his touch, to hear his voice, to see his face, and to carry down with us into the valleys of life some of that radiance on our faces which may even tell the world that we've been where the light lives and reigns, and that's with the Lord. So that when people look at us, they say, oh, she's been with Jesus. Oh, he's been with Jesus. Oh, there's something different. There's something that she's attached to that I, I don't know how she was free from her addictions. I don't know how he was free from his addictions. I don't know how they managed their marriage. I don't know how they managed their parenting. And it's because of Jesus. Jesus is our most honest friend. He's our greatest ally. He's our dearest comforter. And he always bends his ear to listen to us. And so today I wrote down this invitation to take the opportunity to seek the face of God. And remember that he just wants your heart for whatever that is. For whatever you can give in whatever state emotionally you are with the Lord, be honest with him. And here are ways, I wrote down ways, I just want you to pick one, that we can posture, when we posture our bodies to worship the Lord, our heart becomes postured too, to worship him too. And so here are the ways, I want you to either join me at the altar to surrender and pray and seek the Lord. This is the altar. Or you can lift your hands and surrender and worship. Lifting your hands, saying either save me or victory or whatever you want. Because that's a sign of victory when people win. And it's a sign of surrender when you're feeling like you're not going to win at all or you're stranded. And the third is to just quiet yourself and to listen to what he may be speaking to you. That may be forgiveness. That may be, it may be a deep conviction to change. It may be an act of kindness. It may be that the Lord just wants to tell you that he just really loves you. He really, really loves you. He died for you. Jesus died for you.
So let's worship today. And when, when you think of the word glory and when you think of and you sing glory, when we sing in a moment, think of his character and think of what specific attribute you want God to put heavily on you. What is that? 